Welcome to Ready, Set, Goal podcast that will inspire you to reach your goals. We'll give you your regular dose of motivation along with our insights to help you achieve your goals. I'll share conversations with awesome influential guests who will inspire us with their story and share their secrets behind their success. I'm your host, Donna Campisi. I'm excited to bring you this podcast. Are you ready? Let's do it on Ready, Set, Goal. Sana Turnock is our guest today. Sana is a courage mindset trainer and facilitator and supports people who seek to create a courage mindset to overcome challenges in business or life. She has overcome childhood trauma herself, health challenges over the years, a breakdown, dissolving a business and financial struggles, and has had to navigate those challenges. At times, Sana needed to step into her own fears. She knows what it's like to go through dark times and come through the other side, which she has with more kindness and compassion towards herself and others. An adult educator of change for over 20 years, Sana believes education and awareness is a key to long-term learning, growth and transformation. Sana has worked with thousands of small business owners over the last three years and knows there is a mechanical and psychological side of business. Sana helps many with psychological blocks in business, particularly around self-worth, self-belief, success and money. Sana developed Courage Unraveled, the self-development platform for this very reason. On this platform, you can access information on the Courage Mindset Program and her podcast called Courage Unraveled, which is where I met Sana originally. So go and listen to that later, not now. And so so stay till the end of this chat as Sana has a gift to share with you. Oh, I'm excited. Sana lives in Perth, Western Australia. I love it there. I keep saying that because I had a guest not so long ago, Sana, from Western Australia, and I just love Perth too. So welcome, Sana. How are you? Thanks, Donna. No, look, I'm I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, Perth is a um, it's a beautiful city. I actually don't live there anymore, but uh, oh. <laughs> I, don't know, I did the tree change. I did the tree change like you many years ago. Now I live oh, in a glorious southwest. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. southwest. What, whereabouts? Can we ask exactly? Do, yeah. Well, do you know the Margaret River region? I do. I love the Margaret River. Yeah. So, so you I'm live in the re- I'm in the region. Well, when I went to Perth last many, many years ago, I started in Perth and went down south to Margaret River. So I know it well, but yeah, it's been a long time and I've got to get back. So yeah, <laughs> now that we can travel again, which I'm super excited about now that COVID is restrictions are getting a little bit less. And you said something about planes um, might be in this podcast soon. <laughs> Maybe yeah, well, today. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's because there's an uh, the airport open day. We would you believe? And I don't know whether you know this, but we have been trying. We meaning the town in which I live mm-hmm. has been wanting to get the um, the Jetstar Melbourne to Bustleton flights happening, but yeah. because of COVID back in 2020, it's been on hold. So, you know, Melbourne to Bustleton direct flights. It's it's 40 minutes from Margaret River. Oh, nice, nice. Oh, well, let me know when it's happening. <laughs> you have to, I'll have to touch base with you again. Hey, Sana, as, <laughs> you, good. as you know, this podcast is about goals. And can you tell me what your goal is around Courage Unraveled and where, where did the idea come from originally? Look, well, 
Yeah, two separate questions there. So the, the, <laughs> the goal of Courage Unraveled is really to, look, I'm really passionate about trying to help people overcome various forms of courage. And it, and it doesn't, sorry, let me say, start, say that again. I'm passionate about helping people um, overcome whatever it is that they want to overcome, whatever fear it might be, um, in by creating a courage mindset. And it doesn't, you know, it can be a, a personal development thing or it can be something that's happening in their business. Um, it can be just, it can be something creative. It's just something that they've been thinking about um, for the longest time, but they, for some reason, they haven't done it. Uh, and there's a fear component to it, you know, or they have, it's too uncomfortable for them. So my goal is to um, help them move through that um, mm. as a facilitator as a guide, I don't really like to use the word coach, um, but I have a lot of skills and and I just want people to, to move through that. Uh, the, the question you asked about why Courage and Rebel began, initially began, well, the, the thought came about because in 2020, so COVID 1.0, that's what I'll say, um, mm-hmm. in March 2020, that's when it kind of hit us down where I live in the southwest of Western Australia, I was dealing a lot with small business owners and, you know, the anxiety, the family pressures, the business closures overnight. There was this real sense of, um, well, some panic, definitely anxiety, um, you know, and just and pressure, absolute pressure, people not sure what to do. And it was, a, as you know, you just come out of lockdown after almost, you know, what, a year or something. Mm. Um, so, so this was really impacting us during COVID 1.0. And so Courage Unraveled essentially breathed life from that moment onward. And and there's a the backstory to that was or is I have been working on the theme around courage for about mm, about a year before then, just on and off. Yeah. And I went on a creativity retreat and I was trying to create something really initially it was about workshops or something around um, adult children of who've experienced family violence uh, because that was my experience as a child and and everything that's happened um, growing up and what that's meant you know and the the interesting effects that it has as an adult Mm. and so every time I would talk to people about that um, at the creativity retreat, there was a real heaviness, you know. And um, I thought, oh gosh, I, I don't, I don't want, I don't want this courage unravelled idea that I have to feel heavy. And so, at the by the end of that retreat, I thought, I want to, I want to do something creative and fun. And that's when podcasting came into my mind. And I thought, I'm going to join the dots. I'm going to do podcasting, and I'm going to create a courage mindset podcast. And you need to understand here that for the, the longest time, I was a um, I was a tech phobe, and uh, <laughs> and every time I would touch technology, things would go wrong. <laughs> I find that and, hard to believe. My gosh, your podcast and the editing and everything you do now—it's <laughs> I know this is it is quite remarkable. And um, and so when I left that creativity retreat, I signed up to an online podcasting course which is again ridiculous for a tech phobe because I like something to hold my hand when I go through training and um 
And I think it was the perfectionist in me that really struggled because, you know, podcasting, you make lots of mistakes. It's tech. Things go wrong all the time. So I had to really, really work through that. And and that in itself, really, I had to step up into my courage for that. There's no question. And then, so that was in at the end of 2019. So when COVID hit, there was this platform for me to actually utilise the podcasts. So then I started to... Um, create and interview people from the Southwest originally, people who had a backstory. I didn't want to know their business story per se. I wanted to know the backstory and how they got to their business. You know, what adversity did they go through in order to um, then overcome and succeed? And then uh, over the course of time that expanded to parts of Australia and that's where you came in and, Mm -hmm. uh, and then to, you know, other parts of the world. So that's how Courage Unraveled started. There are lots of little points there, but 2019 was the small point, and but COVID was the one that actually released it into the world. But Courage itself as a uh, concept actually began, would you believe, in 2014 when I was doing my master's program in adult learning, adult education, and we did a, a positive psychology component as part of that um, program and one of the things we looked at was one of the themes was courage and it's it stayed with me ever since because when you break down courage and get a real understanding as to what that means it helps you in so so many areas of life you know it helps promote kindness and compassion it gets you to understand your vulnerabilities and it's okay to be vulnerable it's not you know it's not weak to be like that it helps you with resilience building strength, understanding different kinds of courage and what that means so much. There's so much. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. And I, I'm probably after listening to you, I don't know if you want to go back into this heavy, which you described it as, but I, I was curious to go back to the earlier days where you faced childhood trauma, health challenges and a breakdown. And I was wondering if you could share more of that uh, with us uh, because, you know, just just I'm sure there's maybe listeners out there that could relate to this. Sure. Um, which, one, which one do you want? <laughs> uh, which, which order do they come in? Uh, well, childhood trauma was, you know, gosh, uh, well, the, the family violence, that was part of um, my life from day dot to when I was about 18, 19, mm. and it was my father who was the person that, would instigate that and and you know we're talking physical violence but also emotional and just mental but it's really interesting uh, from a cultural perspective because it, it certainly doesn't happen with everyone in the culture that I'm from in the Macedonian culture but from my family my father's growing up it was kind of you know quite normal and okay mm. uh, um, to to you know discipline your kids in the way that he felt was um, was okay. But it's it's step beyond discipline, you know, especially when it involves, you know, witnessing your mother being physically abused and um, and the treatment that she went through, uh, you know, and then becoming very a suppressed human being um, in a number of ways, lack of self-confidence, self-worth, not strong, high levels of anxiety over the course of time. And the nine, 19 is the magic number because that's when they separated um, but that's not to say that, you know, clearly 
all of the um, the side effects of family violence stops. It lingers forever. And because, you know, Whedon being part of that for so, such a long time, it wasn't just a one-off incident. It was, like mm. I said, 19 years of being the same space. Uh, that certainly uh, affects you. It affects, it affects everyone. You know, it was affected everyone in our in our home in various ways. So we all carry different things as a result of that. One of mine is definitely high levels of anxiety. And there was a, there were many years where I couldn't watch any films that had violence in them. I There was a film called, uh, there are two films actually that stay in my mind. One was Clockwork Orange, mm. which is a cult movie. I'm not sure if you're, if you know that. Yes. Um, that one. You do? Okay. Yeah. I, I, absolutely struggled to watch that film it was um it was very triggering and and the other triggering movie which is probably more close to home was um uh once were warriors the new zealand film uh yes yeah yeah that was that was quite realistic for me and i remember um i saw this in at uwa which is the university of western australia um during the summer months and it's an outdoor venue beautiful outdoor venue among the pines and I could just hear the sniffling, you know, of people because um, it clearly touched a lot of people in the audience and when the lights went up and uh, looked around, there were lots of Maori-looking people in that space, so I gather it really touched something in them as well. Yeah, so, so, that, was, so that was that. I mean, I can talk more about it, but, but essentially that's, that was it. And then in 2000. And 16, so massive jump in time. I I ended up having what I'd what I'd call a, a body breakdown. Interestingly, because well, interesting because I'd been a natural therapist for 20 years, so an energy yeah. worker and um, you know, someone who was very much focused on health and wellness, and I'm very mindful of, of that. But we had had a lot of pressure going on. Um, we had moved to the country. Um, we had then decided to move to a regional town and we were, we were building, we were renting the house uh, in Bailing Up where, where we originally moved to, hadn't sold. So there were so many financial pressures There was, and that impacted our, the relationship that I was having with my husband and many things. And then the body just, just didn't want to work anymore. It was the most peculiar time but a, lot, but a time of amazing, amazing learning about the body's capacity to heal. What I remember was uh, I, had to, I had to stop work. I couldn't work uh, for that time. I used to go to the gym all the time. I couldn't go to the gym anymore. The only thing I could do in terms of movement was walk, and that was maybe around the block. That's how weak the body became. Um, my nervous system was shot, my hormones were shot, it affected my muscles, I couldn't sleep, I was chronic insomniac, my anxiety was through the roof, I'd wake up with panic attacks, I'd wake up doing um, almost what I'd call a, a body epileptic kind of seizure, meaning I'd wake up at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning with the, all this energy that I had to kind of release immediately. I had no control of this, right, it was very very unusual. So here I was doing these kung fu moves in order to try and get rid of this energy. I'm talking two or three o'clock in the morning because mm. otherwise I'd wake up and I'd be, my body would be literally shaking. 
it was quite a frightening time. Uh, my husband didn't know how to deal with it and I just asked him just to sit with me and to support me whenever this would happen. I didn't need any words. Um, I just I just needed to know that he was there. That was that was all. And I obviously had lots of tests done. I thought perhaps I had stroke. Uh, I got tested for MS. I got tested for some neurological conditions and they all came back negative. The only thing that kept on coming up was um, my adrenals and hence absolute burnout, you know. And, um, and so that's what I can only put it down to based on the tests. Mm. But emotionally weak, um, spiritually had lost touch with who I was despite being a natural therapist. And that probably is the, um, the saddest thing I find out of all of this for me. And uh, but I spent a lot of time in meditation, definitely getting using my natural therapy connections again, uh, which was the greatest gift. Uh, I spent a lot of money that year trying to get better, and uh, and I did uh, lots. I had Reiki, just so that for the listeners who want to know, yeah, Reiki, other forms of energy work. I did acupuncture, herbs. Obviously, wow. ate well. Um, <laughs> You've done everything. <laughs> I did, yeah, I did, and I went and saw a psychologist as well. But uh, yeah. and I and then I'll just sit and and oh, there was this fantastic CD that I listened to pretty much daily for a while. Oh, I can't remember the name of it, but it was the woman who she had lymphatic cancer and she was at stage four. She had maybe twenty four hours to live, mm. and um, this is her story. And and she ended up in hospital somehow having this epiphany and then very quickly um, got better. Amazing, the medical uh, profession. Yeah. Anyway, she turned this story into uh, a CD of sorts and with, you know, sound and whatever. So I would listen to that on a very regular basis. Mm. Oh, Murjani, Anita Murjani, I think is her surname. Mm, I haven't heard of her. Um, okay, worth listening to if anyone who's listening um, is struggling deeply to have a listen to Anita Murjani, she it can be found on YouTube or on uh, or you know CD, whatever you whatever you like to listen to. Yeah. So yeah, definitely got me out of some big trouble. Took like I said, took me a year to get better, but my body did it, and uh, I'm so grateful for my body to mm. um, have shown me how low someone can go physically mm. um, based on unhappiness and spiritual disconnect to coming back and being strong you know uh and you know you need time you you, the body needs the time you put yourself in the shit uh you got to give it time to get better i really believe this is my personal opinion what i've seen of people in my life that um stress can really affect you physically and just given your first 19 years of your life do you put it down to that oh look yeah it has it has huge bearing um on uh on many things that's happened in my life. Um, but there's got to come a time when, um, you know, when you go, you know what, enough's enough. I can't, I don't want to, I don't want to be the victim anymore. Mm. You know, but you, I guess I, for me, I'd love to disengage from it fully. And part of me has, but I keep on getting brought back to it based on just health conditions that I end up with, you know. Mm. And um, so the anxiety is just always there. And that's probably what I'm saddened by the most is having had something that, um, you know, I'll never know this, but, um, you know, if I didn't experience that early in life, would that be part of my constitution today? You know, I don't know that. 
but I do know I my nervous system is susceptible to yeah you know, to have these crazy things happen from time to time yeah so I mean that's a that's a pretty big list of things that have happened to you so out of all of these challenges Sana what is what was the most difficult but what kept you going like there's got to be something that kept you going from all of that yeah what kept me going you know I I think um I guess you know something I've never been asked this question um I I think watching my mother um keep going you know Mm -hmm. she was very stoic is very stoic she's still alive and maybe that was my role modeling, just to keep going. And um, the conversations that I've had with my main GP, one of the things that they just said when they found out what happened, they just said, Sani, you're an incredibly resilient person and and that's why you're still here. Yeah. You know, so so my mother's very resilient, so maybe that's something that has to do with it. I, I think I'd choose life. Yeah. That's probably the bottom yeah. line. How, how do you survive, you know? I, hmm. You know. Yeah, because I, I ask this because people, this is about goals, as I said, and going through goals, mm-hmm. and I know myself, everyone who goes to achieve a goal goes through difficult times, may not be this, exactly the same as what you've been through, mm-hmm. but it's just like a lesson in it all. And I I wondered whether you could share with us or the listeners what, what actually keeps you going, and, and that's your example of, life just in in basic words i suppose yeah i look i think so and and it's hard to it's hard to um give one goal for all of that because i i, I don't think i can to be honest i, I think i just want to live my best life mm. you know is that my goal mm. don't know but it's my motivation yeah you know yeah and you know what does my best life look like well you know i, I just want to have a have a wonderful family. I want to be able to have beautiful relationships with my husband and my daughter. That's super important to me. Mm. Um, you know, that's a work in progress. Can, can, and also it's a work in progress because of my because of my background. You know, yeah. I carry some shit and I'm fully aware of that. And and uh, uh, there's there's some there's some things that my husband and my daughter thankfully and compassionately have come to understand and are trying to help and guide me through, you know. So and we have conversations around this on a fairly regular basis. But that's, if there's a goal, that's that's a life goal to keep keep that going, you know, yeah. for as long as possible to have that connection with them because, you know, I just see too many family breakdowns and because of, you know, things that have happened in the past to people and I don't want that to happen for me. I think yeah. that's very important. Um so that's a, that's probably a life goal. Yeah, with my well, I, I always say just to really dig deep when when thinking about um, you know what am I doing this goal for and starting to doubt and everything. And when you dig deep, like you mentioned, you, your husband, your daughter, and that's that's really and your mother, that's digging deep to, to the core things that are really important to you and, and emotional to you. Yeah. But I want to get back Absolutely. to yeah. I want to get back to uh, courage unravelled. I want to know the most rewarding factor from achieving what you have with courage unravelled. What, what's what's a standout thing for you? Oh, look, the fact that I was able to do it—that's a standout. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, gosh, you know, dealing you know with bloody tech as a tech foe—that's amazing for me. Um, well, done. Uh, I think that's, well that's done. So, yeah. <laughs> I I, <laughs> I have loved talking to people. Look, I really, really wish I could keep keep going. I have 
I have paused um, the podcast for a while. There are 30, 30 um, episodes in the, um, in the library. So please, I encourage listeners, if you want to hear stories of people who've overcome grit and overcome stories of adversity, uh, please go to Courage Unraveled. It's available on Spotify, Apple, etc., or my website, um, courageunraveled.com. So you can access those. But um, I, I have loved talking to these people, you know, including you, Donna, and your story, uh, how, how wonderful to hear people move through fear, discomfort, challenge, and then they break through the other side and what that has looked like for them. That's definitely a highlight. Uh, I did a, a, a courageous community conversation event down my way and we focused on navigating end of life. Um, that mm. was a very special um, event. We had panelists, professional, you know, in that in that industry, and that was fantastic. And there were, you know, it was a sellout event at the cafe that I held it at. Mm. That was wonderful. And just now, I'm building the the, the courage mindset uh, immersion program, and I'm wanting to focus on um, women 45 years plus who are going through menopause, but kind of have, you know, they're finding that they're I don't know who they are, mm. you know, they're, um, they've been lost through their work. You know, sometimes you, have, you end up finding yourself in a way or in a place that you kind of didn't know you even ended up. Like these women to have the courage to pull back from that and go and think about where they want to go. So I'm putting that together as a, as a program um, yeah, because awesome. I'm seeing that a lot through my work at the moment. Mm. Um, but, again, to, to answer that probably one of the most the loveliest things that I've achieved so far was um, very recently, being a finalist in five categories of Courage Unraveled, and uh, and awesome, well done, yeah, yeah. So that I just thought I sat back and I went, you know what, this is this is great considering Courage Unraveled's a year old. Yeah. So I was a finalist for um, emerging business, digital business, rising star, emerging emerging a micro business. So there were five. I can't remember if I've given you five there, but. I just thought, okay, that's that's really awesome. I didn't, you know, I didn't get the gold, didn't get the trophy, but it was enough to say, yeah. keep going. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I just want to tell listeners again, go check out courageunravel.com. And if you're a business owner that's in need of help uh, to, with courage and psychological blocks that prevent your business success, you may be someone with a health challenge or someone wanting to make change happen in your life too. Sana can support you with her personal or group courage mind set programs which she just mentioned so get onto that website but i haven't finished with you i'm not i'm not saying that quite, <laughs> you know i'm not like this is not final i actually looked at you know have a real dig deep into your website and i loved it and you're a speaker as well and yeah. i noticed one of um the topics was autism can we speak about your autism is it is it because you have autism or is there yeah. something else yeah because no, no no I, no that's the latest okay because <laughs> Because myself, personally, I've worked a lot. Um, I have a background of working for over 20 years in the mental health and disability field. So um, I have an understanding, but I, I want you to give us an understanding through your eyes of autism. Is that something that uh, you can delve into a bit more with us? Yeah, I can try. I mean, it'll, do you work with adults? Yes, I mainly do work with adults. I, I've worked with children in the past, but predominantly adults. But even someone in my family who is, uh, he's 10 now, uh, my nephew has, has autism too. And I, well, 
to tell you a little bit about my experience, because I worked for over 20 years, the adults I um, worked with way back had come from institutions, basically. This was when institutions were, you know, closing down and, you know, wanting to get them into so-called normal society in housings. But I'm, I'm noticing the difference. I keep telling uh, my sister-in-law, the mother of my nephew, that she's doing a great job because I notice the difference when you start young and start all the different therapies that are out now, which weren't out back then. They Parents were told with their children, uh, it's better if you put your child in an institution. And that's what they were told back then and that's what they believed. They believed their doctors took their, you know, advice and so forth out of, you know, the goodwill for their children. But things are different in institutions, of course. So you, I am a a different sort of case, I believe, because you only found out about this as an adult, yeah? (laughs) Yeah, this year. Oh, this year, oh, my God. (laughs) This Yeah, this year, like it was rather... It was it was um it was an interesting one. I, funnily enough, as time time went on, I probably started being I started suspect, suspecting something about three four years ago. Can you and, tell us what that um, was that you started? Like, what was what were the triggers? What were the things you noticed? Oh, just they were just little things. Um, communicating in a particular way or not communicating in a particular way. It was more around communication mm. and. Um, what I, what my family, my bro- my husband and daughter would say to me, like they'd say, you know, can you come and do this or do this or just in general conversation. And I I would think that what they've asked me to do, I w- would have done, but apparently I, ha- I hadn't or apparently I'd respond in a way that they would consider not appropriate. And, and so this happened, you know, on and off. And then I started looking at, um, you know, my mum has some unusual behaviours and also it could because autism actually is a genetic, um, mm. it's, it's genetic. Mm. Um, and and I would look at just my, my mother's side and it was very clear that there were things going on with certain, you know, members of her family, my auntie, some, some of my aunties and uncles because she comes from a, a big family, including including her. And I thought, well, I'm not like them. I just, I just thought to myself, if I have it, it's minor, uh, but it's still um, noticeable to people who are close to me. So for people who don't know me very well, they wouldn't know unless they're trained mm. um, or unless they have, um, you know, they, yeah, they work with people with autism. They, that's how they'd kind of know. Can I just stop you there um, for a minute? Yeah. Can I just stop yeah. there for a minute? I want to explain to people that don't know much about it. They call it's the autism spectrum. So they say a lot of us are on the spectrum, but to what extent? So that's probably what you're explaining too. It's it's not that noticeable. So you're on the 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 lower part of the spectrum. Lighter end. The lighter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we, oh, look, I had you know I read my report. It was kind of interesting when when the because in order to get a formal diagnosis, you get a diagnosis from a psychiatrist. Mm. Um, well, that's that's what happened for me anyway, you know, in this state. And from my understanding, my reading, because I'm still, you know, I was trying to process this for quite some time, even though I was kind of expecting it. From my understanding of being on the spectrum, there's like levels one, two and three. And my report didn't mention any levels. So I'm not sure whether I'm even a pre-level, you know, I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I haven't had a chance to 
to talk to that person again. Um, so it's a milder end, but like I said, I certainly noticed it. And it does, um, yeah, I just have to be mindful of certain things. I have to be very conscious of how I speak and, and whether, and there's, there are levels of understanding. Some people understand something very clearly, whereas I'll go, hmm, I don't get that. Can you please explain it in a different way? Um, and the other thing I do notice is I'm uh, very slow to adapt. That's a big thing for me. It's like I'm not just slow, I'm super slow to make change happen and I don't really don't like change and I do I need to be mindful of sensory overload. Um, mm. You know, I don't like being in crowded rooms. I don't like shopping centres. Um, noise above a certain level starts to bother me. It's just those things. I mean, I can manage it fine now, but when I was younger, it was it was uh, it was pretty full on at times. Um, Mm. So when you say younger, what what age would you say that you noticed it then? Back when if it was full, uh, I'd say to, well, the, certainly the sensitivity. I just thought that was just me, you know, just being ah, a sensitive person. Yeah, yeah, I, I did. Yeah, and, and my family, like they, it was no questioning about what I was. I was treated very normally. That you know, and, and that's who I was. I was just someone, a normal kid who had some sensitivities. Really, that's how I looked at it. And I think that's how they looked at it as well. And um, until really my daughter and my husband wanted me to, you know, investigate it further. And so I said, okay, I'm going to get checked out for this. And mm. uh, and then that, I surprised them when they came back <laughs> <laughs> with a positive. Oh, they said. <laughs> <laughs> they just wanted to be knowing. So now that they know, yeah. now that you, so now that you know, <laughs> like what has been done is there anything that you needed well is there anything that you needed to do about it anyway like because if it wasn't that noticeable and was it affecting you badly or not I didn't even know if the word badly is right but to a a high extent was it what's the treatment I suppose do you mind me asking that has been done since then or is there just an understanding that you have it now well, I think I think it's um, you know for anyone listening to this for themselves or for someone they might know, mm. it will take time. You know, as an adult to get a diagnosis, it can take time to um, to understand that. You know, and to be just show yourself some kindness and compassion um, towards getting used to knowing what you know about yourself or about yeah. the person that you like or love. Um, it will. I think it will take some readjustments uh, for family members. I know that certainly happened in in this case, in my case, yeah. um, because it does mean shifting your thought processes about how you communicate with that person, you know, and knowing that when they respond in a particular way, it's not out of malice, you know, or it's not it's not out of even what I, what we term in Buddhism self cherishing. It's just it just comes out. Yeah. Um, so. From my side, I just have to think through what I'm saying um, and from their side, they need to understand that it comes from the right intent, not from anywhere else. I think sometimes I'm really direct and uh, and directness is something that people with autism certainly, you know, that's a common trait to my understanding. Right. Um, yes, it is. And, yeah. And I, what I was going to say too when I asked you that question, my second, you know, one off that is the the family and friends having an understanding because what I know of it and um, in with the people that I've worked with in the past but also you know personal relationships family is the preparation like you know letting the person know preparing them for what they're 
going to be doing if they're going to a different scenario, social stories, all of that sort of thing, just to be prepared because, um, and yeah, and understanding people's reactions as well, like, Oh, I can't even think, but just if I'm going to use my nephew as an example, like I'm sure he won't mind. <laughs> but uh, if we're going to do something different, like visit someone or something like that, and he's coming to stay at my house, and I'll say, or, or if someone's coming over, say, like I'll be preparing him and say, okay, in the next hour, so, so-and-so will be coming and just wanting to let you know. And so it's not um, something that's just, brought onto them because you were talking about change before sometimes change in a quick scenario that they're not prepared for is something that they could react to a person could react to so it's just sort of things like that I was it's a basic thing for us to know now but in the time and of not understanding autism or anything like that you know you would think that uh, you would overreact to someone with autism that does show just some small reaction to something that is not considered normal <laughs> I suppose I hate saying the yeah, word normal. yeah it's, it's and, about um, routine yeah yes yeah, it's, it's routine, the routine aspect structure, yeah yeah yes predictability yeah. Yeah. they need to know yeah and sounds a hypersensitivity if something's too loud mm-hmm. and all of that and even yeah. touch and that, there's so many things involved with it but yeah I just I was curious to ask you as a, an, a, an adult who has it and you know what you could share through your eyes because sometimes us so-called professionals don't know it all <laughs> it's always a learning but, game. but the thing look it is but it's so autism so tricky being on the spectrum and you know for yeah. listeners out there you just just understand that you know the way i respond as someone on the spectrum can be so different to someone else you know um, and that's the tricky thing i mean all, all the things that you described about your nephew i can really relate to that but but what what didn't happen for me was I didn't I didn't react if we had surprises like I actually loved surprises in that in that sense when I was a kid right sure so I didn't I didn't have strong reactions but my life now is there's structure there's planning especially around my work stuff right yeah um, so there's structure there's plan and and I and I plan ahead um, actually to stop my anxiety right I'm not very good under pressure yeah. so I know for me from a time management point of view. If I have a longer lead, then, you know, with, with time, then I will be able to prepare something um, and and I'll be able to have it. It's, it's just it works out better than if I'm put on the spot. I'm definitely not good when I'm on the spot. Mm, um, mm. So just though that's that's what it's turning out like now as, as an adult for me. And I'm okay with that, you know. No, I don't think it's a big deal. <laughs> Some people who like spontaneity, you know, we're like chalk and cheese, you know, so, um, you know, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, it's all a learning thing, of course, and um, it sounds like you're doing amazingly well. So, yeah, well done to you. You've been through a few things, Sana, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I know it's funny, isn't it? Um, I just, you just go, well, you know, I've been on the earth for a while and, uh I guess it happens, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Part of the human experience. Well, I want to ask you, uh, going back to the goals, what advice would you give others who are thinking of uh, going for a new big scary goal? What do you, advice would you give them to help them um, uh, achieve it? Yeah, because, look, like, a lot of the time it seems big and scary and all too hard. Yeah, look, I think it depends on the goal 
um, mm. it's like when you were talking about your time as the marathon runner, you know, I can really um, relate to what you were talking about. You know, you start off with small steps. I totally agree with, with, with what you did. I mean, as an example, I'll use um, my trip on the Camino as an example. So in 2019, I, did um, part of a walk from Portugal oh. into Spain. Um, oh, so that yes. was pretty exciting. I have a couple yeah. of friends so that have done so that. that. A, well done, yeah. Yeah, so I managed to sneak in before, you know, the borders closed on that one. Mm. Um, but so, you know, I knew that I wanted to do do that and I planned it a, a year out. You know, I was just deciding how, you know, I had to do some practical planning from work and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. but it was like, okay, I've got, you know, hundreds of kilometres to walk, Um you know, what do I need to start doing? So, okay, baby steps. I'm going to walk five kilometres, you know, a day or maybe it's two kilometres and then I'm going to go to the gym and, and um, you know, practice some weight training so I can get used to the weight of a backpack on my shoulders, um, you know, yeah. during the day. Mm. Um, you know, and then I built up to, I think I went up to about 18K one day and that's when I blew my knee that day. I was, I was two weeks ah. before, tra- two weeks before going to, um on the Camino, on the actual walk, and I blew my, my knee out, my meniscus, and I uh, thought, oh, my God, am I going to be able to do this? I what was do you mean so you, determined. What do you mean by you blew it? Like it didn't break or fracture? Uh, Is it just a muscle thing? What was it? Yeah, the meniscus, it was just um, it, it, for some reason it started shifting and um, oh. and so and it was extremely, extremely painful. So I went and got physio done. I uh, had to stop walking, had to stop training, and I thought, oh, my gosh, I have to stop training to, you know, and I was very concerned about that because I wanted to obviously build up endurance, you know, as part of my my goal setting, right? Mm. Um, but anyway, I did it. I just strapped the knee up every day. I did all kinds of things during my walks and I ended up, my, the longest walk I did was um, 30 kilometres in a day. But wow. what I'm saying in terms of goal setting was um, the importance of building, you know, building, starting off small and then getting bigger and um expanding on on uh, those micro yeah. goals as time moves on and mm-hmm. that's what i even say i suggest those things um to people wanting to set up a small business yeah uh and if things get really really overwhelming then i all i say to them is uh okay let's break it down into these micro chunks focus on three to five tasks a day and if that just means three phone calls and two emails you're done okay mm. that's micro steps towards achieving your goal um, so that it stops the overwhelm. I, I just find that to be so beneficial. And also, like, if you're wanting to climb Mount Everest, you know, obviously you're not going to be climbing Mount Everest immediately. You want to start practising, you know, walking through some of the ranges, you know, in Victoria or Bluff Knoll down our way, and, you know, and then you start building up towards that. And that yeah. that prep might take years in, in a goal like that. Mm. Um, and in other cases, the you know, the, um, the goal may take a lot less time to reach what you want to reach. Yeah. That rest, that whole resting thing brings me to, um, back to my memory of my training because I had a few injuries along the way as well for the marathon training. And that brings me to my next question because yeah. I was asked if I could go back with that goal. I was asked if I could go back, you know, what advice would I give myself? And I actually said in this, this was a question that I was asked, I would probably 
do what my coach said and rest at times because I was so super keen and you get so super keen and you cause more stress and injuries and so forth. You just think, yeah. oh, no, 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 I can't rest. So that's actually quite funny in my mind when you were saying that. But Sana, if you could go back, you know, in your earlier days, what advice would you give the younger Sana? This is not to do with anything in particular. <laughs> so whatever you want to give your advice to. <laughs> I find this to be a really hard question to answer because mm. I've thought about it. <laughs> not, not definitely not for this interview because I didn't know you're going to ask it. But <laughs> sorry, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> I think life, you, whatever life throws you, you know that you'll be able to handle it. Yeah, you know, uh, you're you're strong. It just always, always do things with humor and grace. Yeah, and um, and just keep on. Um, building those connections with people, that's a, that's a gift. That's great advice. So, Sana, who inspires you and why? Oh, no, I've never haven't thought of this for ages. Um, who inspires me? There's people, no right or just wrong people inspire me. No, I know, I know. <laughs> um, I think day-to-day people inspire me just when you hear some amazing stories of people's lives. Like, seriously, the people on my podcast are amazing. Um, I loved I just loved listening to some of those stories, um, but no one, no one comes to mind particularly. In terms of anyone being famous, I think it would be um, Barack Obama. Actually, mm-hmm. I really love. I just, I, I love, I love the word grace. But to me, he also epitomises grace with how he handled himself during his presidency. I love his wisdom. Uh, I love the way he hands himself in public. I love his speaking voice. Uh, I just love his intelligence and his wisdom. To, to me, they're two very separate things. Um, so I admire him. I admire Jacinda Ardern uh, for her wisdom, for the way she carries herself, the way she, the way she's willing to open herself up as a leader to show compassion and kindness as part of her leadership, which uh, is a great strength. Mm. I I really um, admire how she talks about the importance of wellness and well-being in the workplace. Like that is just so brilliant. She acknowledges that, um, and just how she she just handles herself so well. She doesn't want to answer a question in public. She doesn't she doesn't answer it, but she she does it with grace and style. Not you know not in an abrupt or a rude way. She just knows how to handle herself, and that's. Um, I like their skills of diplomacy. I think they're very important to have uh, in public life. So um, they inspire me for those reasons. Great. And you are a person I see and hear who has grace too. So if that's what you're wanting to achieve, you've achieved that. Oh, thank you, Donna. I think that's a work in progress. You're very kind, but thank you. <laughs> I've loved talking to you and listening to your stories and you've just been an amazing, like with all that you've, been through and come out the other end and and still you know things that you're dealing with uh, you've really inspired us by just you know being op- so open with um you- I just have to tell everyone Sana didn't know the questions that I was going to ask I think you did email me and say you're going to list the questions and I go no <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, it's just a conversation right. that kind of flows and I go from anywhere, you know, it's the Donna brain. But um, <laughs> thank you for being so open with it. So I mean, I'm super excited. There's a gift that um, Sana is going to give to us listeners. Tell us about it, Sana. What is it? Oh, well, the gift, the gift is essentially <laughs> if they're willing to, um, I've got an excerpt, an excerpt of the Courage Journal mm. um, that I, I put together a Courage Journal, right? But if you want to look at the egg, excerpt of it, um, so get a taster, um, just, you can just go to courageunraveled.com um, and you will see, I think it's the pop-up, and just sign up and, um, and that you should be able to access it. Things awesome. crossed immediately. Okay. <laughs> <The> tech works. <laughs> well, run to the journal. Tell us a bit more about the journal. What was what well, was the, the idea behind it? Oh, the idea behind the Courage Journal was linked to the podcast initially. It was for those people who wanted the next step, you know, mm. so they were happy to listen to the podcast, but they were thinking, okay, well, what's more? Um, so the Courage Journal became the next step and it's got tasks and activities in there around um statements on courage and uh, if they relate to you for you to actually respond to those and work through those activities mm. um, the journal itself will last about 12 to 14 months um, because there's lots in there um, oh, great yeah and the next step is if you don't if you want more than that then you you know see me one-to-one or you you know you jump onto one of the group programs I'm putting together for next year yeah. so yeah so just take a look at that because people do get curious about the Courage Journal, so I'm hoping that the excerpt will will give you a level of um, understanding as to what it is. Yeah, it gives us an idea. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Hey, everyone, go to courageunravel.com. And I, I know uh, Sana is on Instagram and Facebook and everywhere else, that, but that's all on Courage unravel.com so keep following her check out her what she's up to and obviously new programs that are coming out and so forth but I just really want to thank you so much Sana for your time and wisdom and grace and um, (laughs) and sharing with us so much of uh, your story and what you're about so thank you so much oh thanks Don really loved being on the program and uh, lovely to hear your voice again Okay, thank you. Bye for now. Thanks for hanging out with us on the Ready, Set, Goal podcast with Donna Campisi. Please take a moment to rate and review this podcast on your preferred podcast app. I'm really grateful for your feedback. Each rating and review helps us fulfill our goal of giving inspiration to many. 